नमस्कार अफॉर्म वेलकम टू वर्ल्ड न्यूज एंड इंडियन परस्पेक्टिव ऑन ऑल इंडिया रेडियो दिस इज अभिनीत शुक्ला एंड विद मी इज प्रशांत कुमार सिन्हा ब्रिंगिंग ग्लिम्सेस ऑफ द मेजर डेवलपमेंट्स ऑफ द डे फ्रॉम अक्रॉस द ग्लोब ओवर द नेक्स्ट हाफ एन आवर वी शेल ब्रिंग यू द लेटेस्ट फ्रॉम द वर्ल्ड ऑफ पॉलिटिक्स इकोनॉमी स्पोर्ट्स एंटरटेनमेंट एंड मोर द हेडलाइंस प्राइम मिनिस्टर नरेंद्र मोदी असर्स इंडिया इज अ नेचुरल एलाई ऑफ जी सेवन टू डिफेंड शेयर वैल्यूज फ्रॉम थ्रेट्स स्टेमिंग फ्रॉम अथॉरिटेरियनिज्म एंड टेररिज्म जी सेवन लीडर्स कमिट टू डोनेटिंग वन बिलियन डोजेज ऑफ कोरोना वायरस वैक्सीन टू पुअर कंट्रीज जी सेवन कॉल फॉर टाइमली ट्रांसपेरेंट एक्सपर्ट लेड एंड साइंस बेस्ड डब्ल्यू एच ओ कन्वीन प्रोब इन टू द कोविड नाइन्टीन ओरिजिन्स इन चाइना इसराइल्स पार्लियामेंट टू वोट ऑन अ न्यू गवर्नमेंट ब्रिंगिंग एन एंड टू बेंजामिन नेतन्याहूज ट्वेल्व ईयर रेन ओवर ट्वेंटी फाइव करोड़ डोसेज ऑफ कोविड नाइन्टीन वैक्सीन एडमिनिस्टर्ड इन इंडिया सोफा डेली रिलैक्सेस लॉकडाउन रिस्ट्रिक्शन एज पार्ट ऑफ फेस्ड रीओपनिंग ऑफ द नेशनल कैपिटल एंड इन फ्रेंच ओपन टेनिस वर्ल्ड नंबर वन नोवाक जोकोविच फेसेज फिफ्थ सीट स्टेफनो सिपास इन द समिट क्लैश ऑफ द मिन्स सिंगल्स As many states are relaxing lockdown norms, we advise our listeners not to lower their guard as the COVID-19 pandemic remains a threat to our health. Please stay at home unless it is essential to go out and continue to follow the four simple steps. Wear a face mask, maintain 2 gaz ki duri for social distancing, focus on hand and face hygiene and get vaccinated. For any COVID-related information and guidance, contact National Helpline numbers 011 23978046 and 1075 and now the news in detail Prime Minister Narendra Modi participated in three outreach sessions of the just concluded G7 summit over the past two days briefing the media this evening P Harish additional secretary at economic relations in the Ministry of External Affairs said Mr Modi spoke on various elements of building life better stronger together and greener speaking in sunday's session on climate change and open societies prime minister modi called for collective action recognizing that this challenge cannot be addressed in silos he spoke of india's achievements on climate action and shared that india is the only g20 country on track to meet its paris commitments which are two degree compatible mr modi highlighted the need for climate action to include all dimensions of mitigation adaptation technology transfer financing and equity climate justice and lifestyle change to provide the necessary space for the developing countries to grow he called on the g7 to meet their unfulfilled promise of 100 billion dollars annually in climate finance he also highlighted india's leadership of global initiatives such as international solar alliance and cdri that is coalition for disaster resilient infrastructure at a session on open societies and open economies and prime minister as lead speaker highlighted india's civilizational commitment to democracy freedom of thought and liberty he said india is a natural ally for the g7 and guest countries to defend these shared values from a host of threats stemming from authoritarianism terrorism and violent extremism disinformation and infodemics and economic coercion he also underscored the vulnerabilities inherent in open societies and called on tech companies and social media platforms to ensure a safe cyber environment for their users The G7 leaders committed to donating 1 billion doses of coronavirus vaccines to poorer countries. In a joint statement, the G7 said that they would drive an intensified international effort starting immediately to vaccinate the world by getting as many safe vaccines to as many people as possible as fast as possible. 
The statement added that the G7 will develop appropriate frameworks to increase and coordinate global manufacturing capacity on all continents, improve early warning systems and support science in a mission to shorten the cycle for the development of safe and effective vaccines, treatments and tests from 300 to 100 days. In the outreach session held on Saturday, Prime Minister Modi sought the G7's strong support for India and South Africa's proposal for a TRIPS waiver at the WTO. His call was echoed by South African President Cyril Ramaphosa. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison expressed his strong support for the TRIPS waiver, as did the Director General of the WTO, Dr. Okonja Iwela, and the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, who identified the TRIPS waiver as an important element of his global vaccination plan, a roadmap to vaccinate the entire global population by doubling vaccine production. President of France Emmanuel Macron also highlighted the need to focus on ramping up production capacity in Africa and called on India to lend its expertise as an important production hub globally. The joint statement acknowledged the demands and said that it will engage constructively with discussions at the WTO on the role of intellectual property within the TRIPS framework. G7 leaders called for a timely, transparent, expert-led and science-based WHO-convened Phase 2 COVID-19 origin study, including, as recommended by the experts' report, in China. The G7 countries affirmed their commitment to preventing pandemics of the future through the Carbis Pay Declaration. This includes an agreement on developing a surveillance system through investigating, reporting and responding to outbreaks of unknown origin. On the shared commitment of the G7 nations to uphold human rights around the world, the final communique issued by the group called on China to respect human rights and fundamental freedoms. It urged China to do so especially in relation to Xinjiang and those rights and freedoms and high degree of autonomy for Hong Kong enshrined in the Sino-British Joint Declaration and the Basic Law. The joint statement reiterated the importance of maintaining a free and open Indo-Pacific, which is inclusive and based on the rule of law. Prime Minister Modi also had in one of the outreach sessions pitched for India's vision of the Indo-Pacific. The G7 underscores the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and encouraged the peaceful resolution of cross-strait issues. The joint statement added that the countries remain seriously concerned about the situation in the East and South China Seas and strongly oppose any unilateral attempts to change the status quo and increase in tensions. In today's hotspot section, we take a closer look at Prime Minister Narendra Modi's clarion call for a united fight against COVID-19 at the G7 summit virtually. In conversation are Anil Badhwa, former diplomat, and Indrani Bagchi, journalist. Today we will discuss the Prime Minister Narendra Modi's interventions at the G7 outreach session where he participated in three sessions between Saturday and Sunday. The issues he covered were on health, technology and digital transformation, climate biodiversity as well as economic resilience. The Prime Minister made his interventions at the health session on Saturday evening. And to take us through what the Prime Minister said and what its implications are for Indian foreign policy and for global policy at the moment, we are joined by Ambassador Anil Wadhwa. Mr. Wadhwa, if you could give us a sense of what you made of the Prime Minister's remarks yesterday. Well, I think the Prime Minister, while speaking at the session on uh, global health challenges, 
appropriately you know, outlined how India has tackled this issue of the pandemic, and particularly in the second wave, and the issues that have arisen since the beginning of the pandemic and how India could play a role worldwide in this respect. So in that context, I think it was important for him to, first of all, commit India to the solution, the collective solution of global health challenges. And as you know, India has been in the forefront of distributing vaccines in the first phase. And of course, at this moment, India itself is facing a shortage of vaccines. So therefore, that process has been stalled a bit. But it is going to be very crucial once again when India starts producing more vaccines and then a number of countries of the global south will be once again looking to India in this process. But, you know, in the approach that he outlined, he said there has to be one approach of the entire earth to this. So he called it one earth, one health approach, which means there should be solidarity amongst all the states in the world to deal with this pandemic. They should look at it in a manner in which they can work together. And for that, he said it was necessary also to help in keeping the raw materials for vaccines easily available. So in right. that, of course, it's very right. important that the G7 supports this proposal, which India and yeah. South Africa has made at the WTO for a TRIPS waiver. So the TRIPS waiver, of course, as we have been informed by a number of people, that the TRIPS waiver, even if it comes through, may not actually yield quick turnaround on the vaccine front, especially in time for this pandemic. And for that, I think there's something else that the Prime Minister talked about, which is to keep open supply chains for vaccine raw materials and components. We saw some movement on that from the U.S. side. Do you think that there will be a movement from European countries as well, or who are other primary suppliers for components for vaccines? I think in the light of what has happened with the decision being taken in the United States quite recently to make sure that these supply chains are kept open, it is important for the Prime Minister to once again stress before the rest of the G7 countries that vaccine raw materials and components are very important in order that countries like India would keep producing more vaccines, not only for India, but also for the rest of the world. And in that respect, I think there was clear support, which uh, was received from countries like France. President Macron was speaking on the first day of this summit where Prime Minister Modi was not there. But we saw that Prime Minister Macron supported the G7 going in that direction. So I think it's a good development. And I expect that the declaration would also talk about you know, support for this move or this proposal to keep open the supply chains of vaccines and raw materials. Something that the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson spoke about, which was also, I mean, one of the themes of the G7 summit is, of course, Build Back Stronger, which is somewhat in line with Biden's own campaign slogan of Build Back Better. But I noticed that Boris Johnson had another slogan saying Build Back Greener. With climate change and dealing with climate change is a big issue and a big part of the G7 summit. Prime Minister himself is fairly committed on the climate front. And if you could give us a sense of what kind of commitments you expect India to make on the climate front, not merely for this summit, but also moving towards the November COP26, which will be held in Glasgow. So as far as India is concerned, I think India has already made some significant announcements in the past. We must remember that one of the most important issues that India has been raising is about climate finance. And what we do expect today in the declaration is that there would be a movement towards a greater commitment from the G7 
for fulfilling their promises of climate finance. Now, based on that, of course, India has made some announcements in the past, but given its current situation where it's grappling with the pandemic, I do not expect that there would be any dramatic announcement to be made in addition to what um, has been committed already. But of course, there would be a reiteration of what India has committed already in terms of carbon emissions. And there would be, you know, an outlining of the steps that India has taken in that regard so that the Prime Minister would put forward his commitment to keep the promises that have been made already. He would definitely talk more about enhancing the alternate fuel plant as far as India is concerned and to uh, be turning more into other than fossil fuels as far as climate change is concerned. I don't, however, see anything dramatic which is going to add to what India has committed already. Which is also interesting to to go back to what you said a little earlier on the whole vaccine front. The G7 has committed to providing a billion doses of COVID vaccines to the global south. And I presume that India would be one of the main manufacturers of such vaccines to the global south, which would be in addition to the Quad commitment on another billion global COVID vaccine. But there's something else that G7 summit is coming out with, which is quite interesting. It is another infrastructure plan, a global infrastructure plan for poorer countries as a sort of counter move to the Chinese BRI. How do you think that might play out? Yes, so I think this has been in the works for a while. And as we know, that the United States has already come out with more commitments towards infrastructure as far as the Indo-Pacific is concerned in the past. But, you know, collectively speaking, as far as the G7 is concerned, the Build Back Better World project is aimed, you know, squarely at competing with Beijing's trillion-dollar Belt and Road Infrastructure Initiative because the G7 has been criticizing it. So have other countries in the region for saddling the smaller countries with unmanageable debt. Now, we know that the Blue Dot Network that has been talked about for quite some time, and which yes. was actually way back in 2019 for the Indo-Pacific between three countries, Australia, US, and Japan at that point, has been talking about building on the G7 principles, and this is taking it a little further. The, the details have not spelled out on the first day, but I expect that there will be more details which will come out in the communique at the traditional end of summit communique right. when the declaration is made on the other policies. One of the things that the Prime Minister spoke about was the digital aspect of India's approach to COVID. He said India had adopted a whole of society approach to COVID and used technology and open source digital tools for contact tracing and for vaccine management. He's also offered to share this both technology and experience with other developing countries. Would that be part of the outreach that is envisaged or would that be a purely an India initiative? Well, I think that's something which uh, will definitely find a mention in the health part of the declaration. And I suppose the Indian example would be figuring in there, especially because it's been outlined at, uh, in some length by Prime Minister Modi. But, you know, the whole concept of contact tracing, etc., and using, uh, you know, digital technologies in that respect would require a cooperation between the developed countries, especially the G7, and then ultimately the G7 working with the G20 to make sure that this technology is available and these tools are available to the global south as well going forward if we have to fight this pandemic 
So that's something which will figure also, I presume, at the WTO meetings, at the WHO meeting, which is coming up in the near future. And it would be definitely figuring in the G7 communique. So both China and Russia, but certainly China, has been fairly dismissive of the G7 summit and arguing that this is an old grouping and it doesn't reflect current reality. Do you believe that G7 actually has a future that is credible or is this whole democracies and the transparent societies that pledge that everybody has made, do you think that is sustainable in this current world uh, situation? I think the G7 has a role to play, regardless of what China has to say about G7, obviously, because China is not part of this grouping. So therefore, that criticism is to be expected because China expects to be there on the strength of its uh, economic heft. But of course, this disqualification comes in because of other issues like uh, democracy, etc. But at the same time, this time, the G7 is going to also have a number of references to China itself. And that, therefore, is a reaction. That's the first point. Second point is, if you look at what the G7 is going to come out with at this summit, I think it's much more significant than at the previous summit, at least, comparatively speaking. Boris Johnson himself is launching a $500 million Blue Planet Fund to protect the oceans and marine life. Much of it go towards helping countries in the Pacific, Indonesia, countries like that, the literal states in Africa. And of course, today's declaration on uh, commitments to climate are also going to be significant. Also, we have a number of other um, issues. We already talked about the health declaration, but we also have, you know, the nature compact, which is halting and reversing biodiversity loss by 2030, and then to global target to conserve or protect at least 30% of land and oceans by the end of this decade. So all these are very significant issues, and I don't think they can be overlooked. The G7 meeting will definitely have an impact going forward. There seems to be some disagreement between G7 countries on how to approach China. Not everybody seems to want to take a very confrontational approach to China. Since you have dealt with China for so many years and you've dealt with this whole issue, how do you think India should position itself between what the U.S.-led West advocating and where our interests are? See, as far as China is concerned, I think the main difference of approach is between uh, the European countries, particularly Germany and Italy on the one hand, and then United States and Canada and uh, France, uh, for example, on the other. Obviously, the differences are there because uh, of the direct impact it has on the economic interests and ties between countries. And as far as China is concerned, we already have um, a very deep economic engagement between Europe and China. The strategic geopolitical aspect of it is not so pronounced uh, as far as these countries are concerned. If you compare that with, say, the impact that uh, has been felt in the United States or indeed in in other countries like Canada, etc. The countries of the Quad are particularly interested in the outcome of this declaration. But now, of course, um, as far as India is concerned, you know how we have managed this relationship so far that we have uh, tried to, um, you know, compete where we can and wherever we can cooperate, we have cooperated as well. Uh, Our main issue today, as you know, is uh, the issue of the live border, which uh, where we're still grappling after one whole year 
trying to make sure that we go back to the status quo ante and to a situation where the agreements between our two countries are honored by the Chinese side. And that has still not happened. So it's casting a shadow on, you know, other relationships, especially the economic relationship. Uh, so I suspect that till that issue is not resolved, this relationship is going to limp along in a similar way. And India will keep insisting on uh, going back to status quo and day and to honoring the commitments on the border with China. Thank you so much, Ambassador Wadhwa, for all your uh, insights. Thank you. Thank you. This is All India Radio giving you the world news. Three steps to stay protected and stay safe from COVID-19. Wear face mask, do gaz ki duri to maintain social distancing, maintain hand and face hygiene. Welcome back to the world news. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year reign is set to end as the country's parliament, Knesset, will vote on a new government on Sunday. The current Knesset vote will either end Netanyahu's tenure or return Israel to a stalemate leading to a fifth general election in less than two years. An eight-party alliance ranging from the right-wing Jewish nationalist Yamina Party to Arab lawmakers was formed early this month by centrist politician Yael Lapid, centrist and ultra-nationalist Naftali Bennett. High-tech millionaire Bennett, also a former defense minister, will serve as premier for two years before the coalition architect Lapid, who heads the Yesh Atid party, takes over. They will head a government that comprises parties from across the political spectrum, including for the first time one that represents the 21% Arab minority. 71-year-old Netanyahu, the most dominant politician of his generation, is facing corruption charges in an ongoing trial, which he has dismissed as a conspiracy. He failed to form a government after elections in March, the fourth in two years. India continues to march strongly on its path of COVID recovery with gradual decrease in total number of active cases. For the sixth consecutive day on Sunday, the number of new daily cases remained below the 1 lakh figure. In the past 24 hours, 80,834 new cases were recorded nationwide, which is the lowest in the last 71 days. In the same time span, over 1,32,000 COVID patients recovered from the disease. The recovery rate in the country has further improved to 95.26%. Meanwhile, India has crossed a major landmark with administration of more than 25 crore doses of COVID-19 vaccine to beneficiaries so far. The Health Ministry has informed that more than 34,84,000 vaccine doses were given in the country in the past 24 hours. Out of this, nearly 31 lakh beneficiaries were vaccinated with the first dose, whereas over 3,80,000 beneficiaries received their second dose of the vaccine. The cumulative figure of vaccine doses administered under the largest vaccination drive in the world now stands at over 25 crore 31 lakh. All markets and malls will be opened in the national capital from Monday with certain restrictions. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal on Sunday announced more relaxations in lockdown restrictions as a part of the reopening of national capital in a phased manner. As per the new directions, all market complexes and malls can now reopen from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. without following the odd-even criteria. 
The restaurants will be allowed to open at 50% seating capacity from Monday. Mr. Kejriwal announced that weekly markets will resume activity but only one market will open in one zone. Mr. Kejriwal said if the number of daily COVID cases spike, then the Delhi government will again impose curbs. Private offices will run at 50% capacity from 9am to 5pm. Now let's take a look at the coronavirus updates from around the world. Many countries in the world have approved COVID vaccinations for use in children and look to expand their nationwide vaccination campaigns to cover children as well. However, the WHO had earlier appealed to such nations to prioritize the elderly and at-risk population around the world before including children in the vaccination drive. WHO's chief scientist Dr. Soumya Swaminathan explains the rationale behind this appeal. So the reason that today in June 2021, WHO is saying that vaccinating children is not a priority is because children, though they can get infected with COVID-19 and they can transmit the infection to others, they are at much lower risk of getting severe disease compared to older adults. And that is why when we started prioritizing people who should get the vaccination when there are limited supplies of vaccines available in the country, we recommend that we start with healthcare workers and frontline workers who are at very high risk of exposure to the infection. Also elderly, the people who have underlying illnesses that make them at high risk to develop severe disease and start with those groups, protect them first because we want to reduce the death rates that we are seeing today globally. And then gradually come down age-wise in the population till we get to children. And again, while there may be some children who are at higher risk of getting the uh, severe disease because of some underlying illnesses or vulnerabilities or comorbidities, those children potentially could be prioritized for vaccines when they become available. But children as a group form a much lower priority group. The COVID-19 situation in Bangladesh continued to remain worrying with the highest level of deaths in a day reported from the country on Sunday. According to the latest figures released by the Directorate General of Health Services, DTHS on Sunday, 47 people died and 2,406 new corona-positive cases were detected in the country over the last 24 hours on Sunday morning. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro was fined about $110 for violating COVID-19 measures in Sao Paulo state. The President was not wearing a mask on Saturday as he led thousands of supporters at a motorcycle rally. Mr. Bolsonaro is currently facing a Senate Commission's investigation into his administration's handling of the pandemic response. Switzerland heads to the polls on Sunday in a batch of referendums which could see the country become only the second in the world to ban artificial pesticides. The initiative aims to prohibit the use of artificial pesticides within 10 years. Bhutan is the only country in the world that currently bans the chemicals. Laws to combat terrorism, cut CO2 emissions and provide emergency COVID-19 funding also face binding votes under the Swiss system of direct democracy. If approved, the proposals would amend the constitution while the government drafts implementation laws for parliament to address. Voters will also decide on a separate drinking water initiative which says artificial pesticides are polluting Switzerland's water. It wants to redirect subsidies to farmers who do without them. In tennis, world number one, Serbia's Novak Djokovic clinched the French Open men's singles title, beating world number five, Stefano Tsitsipas of Greece, 6-7, 2-6, 6-3, 6-2, 6-4 at Roland Karros. 
Djokovic reached his sixth French Open final after ending the failed Nadal's four-year reign on last Friday while Tsitsipas edged past Alexander Zverev. In football, England opened their Euro 2020 campaign on a winning note, beating Croatia 1-0 in London. Raheem Sterling scored the only goal of the match in the second half. On Saturday, Denmark was defeated 1-0 by Finland in a tense match after Danish midfielder Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch during the match. The match, which was suspended after the incident, resumed after a while. Belgium were off to a flyer in the tournament by beating Russia 3-0 in their opening Group B match. With 40 days to go for the Tokyo Olympic Games, All India Radio today will take a look at India's best woman shuttler, P.V. Sindhu. Born on July 5, 1995 in Hyderabad, Sindhu is one of the most accomplished athletes from India, having won medals at almost all the major badminton tournaments, including an unprecedented silver at the 2016 Rio edition. The Rio success made her the first female athlete from India to win an Olympic silver medal. Currently world number seven, Sindhu is also... Look at the headlines once again. Prime Minister Narendra Modi asserts India is a natural ally of G7 to defend shared values from threats stemming from authoritarianism and terrorism. G7 leaders commit to donating 1 billion doses of coronavirus vaccines to poorer countries. G7 calls for timely, transparent, expert-led and science-based WHO convened probe into the COVID-19 origins in China. Israel's parliament to vote on a new government bringing an end to Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year reign. Over 25 crore doses of COVID-19 vaccine administered in India so far. Delhi relaxes lockdown restrictions as part of phased reopening of the national capital. In French Open Tennis, world number one Novak Djokovic clinches men's single title, beating world number one Stefano Tsitsipas. India celebrating the 151st birth anniversary of Mahatma Gandhi. Before we end, let us listen to his favorite bhajan, Vaishnavjan, by artists from Philippines. Back at the same time tomorrow with the next edition of World News.